Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. How to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the HBO Boys podcast, where we recap and view the hit shows on HBO. Today we're talking about the HBO Max original series, Raised by Wolves, episodes 5 and 6, both directed by Sergio Mimica Gazan, and this time neither episode written by uh, series creator Aaron Guzikowski, so that's a little bit interesting. I'm James, and I'm always joined by Ryan. Oh, hello. Yeah. And as we're doing episodes five and six, episode seven is out. That's yep. where we are in the timeline, but we're not there yet, okay? We're going slowly but surely, really creeping our way through Raised by Wolves, which, by the way, was just renewed for a second season. Crazy that it was renewed before Lovecraft Country, because, like, nobody's watching Raised by Wolves, and, and a lot more people are talking about Lovecraft Country, but interesting. Yeah, yeah, it feels like they're long-term renewing raised by wolves like they have confidence in the last part of it more confidence than i would say is the majority of the audience has at least me we were talking previous to the show beginning and we agreed that raised by wolves five and six were definitely better than three and four Uh, and it's improving slowly but surely but when i saw that it got renewed for season two i was naysaying immediately I saw the announcement prior to watching these episodes, and I believe I still feel the same way, which is, uh, okay, I, I mean, I'm I'm headed back towards the father-driven light at this point. If father goes, so do I. Uh, but, uh, you know, and if he does go, then I don't need season two. It was worthless without him. Wait a second. So father will or will not be in season two? I don't know, James. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, no one knows. We're not. <laughs> we haven't watched the, the end of it yet. Best character. He's the best one by far. By the way, if you want to be the your best version of your character, go to Patreon.com/slash/HBOBoys. Boys with a Z. Give one or more dollars a month and get extra bonus content, podcasts, videos. We make a bunch of stuff up there. Just one dollar a month. Patreon.com/slash/HBOBoys. And another show that we did, which is on the main feed, Watchmen, is racking up Emmys as we speak. It just won Best Limited Series. Yaha Adul Mateen, the second one supporting actor. Regina King won Lead Actress. Damon Lindelof won for Outstanding Writing for a Limited Series for the origin story of Hooded Justice episode. Jeremy Irons sadly lost, but what are you going to do? Mark Ruffalo was in... I I would call it Emmy Bait. I I don't know the name of whatever Mark Ruffalo was in. I would just call it Emmy Bait. Yeah, it's weird to me um, that, well, I always complain about the different categories that people get put into uh, in awards. But um, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II got Best Supporting Actor, but I would say, like, He's probably as close to a leading actor as we got in Watchmen. You know, there wasn't right. exactly Jeremy a leading man. Yeah, they gave it to Jeremy Irons, but okay. it, time on screen, I'm sure, wasn't incredibly different. Jeremy Irons had his own storyline, but right. anyway, you know, he, he sadly didn't win. I he, I thought he was the best part of Watchmen, personally, but I'm glad it got a bunch of awards on the comedy side. Shit's Creek won literally everything, which I think is completely deserved. That show was really, really great. And yeah, that's all happening. We'll have to see if Raised by Wolves gets nominated for things next year. I don't know if it will, but we'll see. Rick and Morty season four won for best animated program, which I mean, I think I think that's dumb. I did I not think, think season four dumb. was very good. Actually, I doesn't matter how good season four was. This final season of BoJack Horseman should have won. Yes, I agree. Great. Then there is no contention here. (laughs) Moving on. 
Yeah, that's the Emmys. Uh, you know, Ryan and I uh, have a uh, you know a yearly tradition of, of bitching about the Emmys, but this year it worked out pretty good uh, in terms of uh, HBO content, and and we have we have hitched our horses to the HBO bandwagon, and so we're ride and die for HBO, and we hate everything on Netflix, uh, and we hate everything on Amazon Prime, except I really love The Boys; it's so good. <laughs> you watched the second season of The Boys? Um, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm, in, I'm into it. How many episodes of it so there's, far? There's four so far. Okay. Yeah, I heard some weird stuff about it. People said it got weird, but I mean, maybe, if maybe you're when, into when, it, then when I believe you. When the season's you. over, maybe we can talk about it uh, on the Patreon. I haven't watched any of it, so that's going to be difficult. But oh. we can hope for the best. And by the way, we haven't gotten to, when as of recording this, to the drama series as of yet. But uh, let me just take a swing. Uh, Tandy Newton and Jeffrey Wright are nominated for Westworld, then there's no way they win. No, because Westworld Season 3 was a was a bad show. <laughs> it was a bad show. And they're not even nominated for drama series. Drama series is either Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, which I is so stupid, The Handmaid's Tale, that the recent season is nominated for Best Drama Series. It was straight crap, but that's fine. Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. I think Succession's going to win... I wish it was The Mandalorian, but I think Succession was going to win. And that's West, fine. It's another West, HBO West show. Westworld Season 3 was so bad, uh, we changed the name of our show. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I think, you know, you you might say that we were trying to reach a broader audience or not trying to paint ourselves into a corner. But really, as Westworld Season 3's credits started to roll, we just both called each other and we were like, I think we got to get off this clout train, man. I don't know if there's any more clout to... Suck out of this one. Anyway, course, raise yeah, my if, wolves. If, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> if, I mean, if, if Westworld Season 4 happens as it's planned to, uh, but who fucking knows with HBO these days? Uh, we'll definitely be on that shit. Yeah, for sure. We're too far in now, okay? Uh, the moment it's on to the moment it's dead, we will be invested, sadly. And perhaps it will come back. Perhaps it will... And I, but there's no way they win the Emmys. Episode 5 of Raised by Wolves... Oh, well, let's talk really quickly. Five and six, a new director, Sergio Mimico Gezan, who is a, uh, he's got a lot of TV credits. He directed six episodes of Battlestar Galactica, two episodes of Heroes, um, which, you know, I think you and I are both fans of. As yeah, well 2006. Of, that's right. It was a good year. Solid year. Uh, he directed Invasion, which I've never seen, Prison Break, which I've only seen the first season, uh, Saving Grace, I've never seen, Sarah Connor Chronicles, never seen, Falling Skies, never seen, but it looked okay, actually. And then, uh, the, he did the Halo Nightfall, which actually Ridley Scott was involved in, uh, his production company did that. Maybe that's how they made this connection here. Wow, he was second unit director on Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, Minority (laughs) Report, Independence Day. God, dude. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty good resume right there. That's nuts. I mean, he, I mean, he's also on uh, the TV series Medici, which is really solid. Oh, and Battlestar Galactica? No. What? Six episodes he directed, um, yeah. Weird. Uh, <laughs> and then episode five, Infected Theory, written by Heather Belson, has been on the writer's staff for American Gods, The Exorcist. And The Walking Dead in 2016, like early on Walking Dead. Well, not early on, seasons like five and six. So like kind of early. And Donald Joe, Lost Paradise writer, has been on the house writing staff, was the assistant editor of The Office, was editing The Office back in the day. Executive story editor for Snowpiercer. So we still got people who are... In 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 the biz, as they say, that's a business term. Yeah, interesting. Things. Not not exactly up and comers, um, but also not astonishingly famous either. You know who I was wishing uh, directed this in all of the episodes? Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott. Yes, <laughs> and I wouldn't mind if you Maybe. were writing it and you didn't write any of the episodes. You should have mm. taken a swing at that. No, he. I mean, he didn't create the show. Someone pitched him the show. They were like, "This guy who." made that Jason Momoa show, The Red Road. He's got this other show about robots. You want to do that, Ridley Scott? And Ridley Scott was like, absolutely, as long as my son can do everything. Only if the androids bleed white. That's my thing. Yeah. It, it, to, to 
link it to my universe. That must happen. So episode five was fine. I think six was was you know the one that was uh, kind of really better. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, so episode five was just dragging. It was very, very slow. But I think the thing I want to focus on the most is your theory that the giant cube thing would go nowhere. Completely correct. Yeah, they just walked away from it. And they're like, should we talk about that again? No. Nope, definitely not. And also, we got it wrong last episode. We've been mixing up Tally and Vita. Tally is the one who's supposed to be dead. dead. Vita's alive. Right. Tally is the one who's supposed to be dead, but perhaps is the hooded figure who is weirdly amazing at parkour and lives in a giant snake who's dead. So what's going on with the McThraic side of things? Like now Marcus is like totally in charge and he's actually like a pretty good and competent leader. He, the, the, the high priestess who's still with them, like tries to cock block him a little bit. And he's like, why don't we take a vote? Who wants me? The clearly the smartest dude in the room. And, and who wants uh, another insane zealot to take over? And he has the soldiers, mainly Lucius on his side. So the higher priest is like, well, okay. I've been outvoted. This is if this was Survivor, I'd be off the island. But he's also hearing voices, like the voice of Soul or something, and uh, that's another part of the supernatural element. And I have a theory about that voice as well, and and we can get to that when we're talking about the next episode. But things are going, uh, you know, have better now that the uh, his uh, his eminence got burned by a cube, and for sure. They find the character that you mentioned, this, like, weird scavenger hermit character who's also, like, totally dressed up like Rey from The Force Awakens, so we don't know what they look like. So it could be a human, it could be an alien. That's an interesting plot thread that I do hope goes somewhere. It could be Tally, as you mentioned, living out in the desert by themselves. Um, and, and then they find the wreckage of the Ark... And the rapist dude is in there, and he's got, like, a jailer robot who's with him, and everyone else died, but he got to live because, uh, of course, you know, the shittiest person on the ship gets to live. And I actually did like this. I liked the idea of a mobile prison and the guy having to wear a metal helmet, and if he takes it off, the mobile prison bot squishes his head, which is... Uh, it passed a good idea. It also makes for fun dialogue said in a metal helmet, which is nice and deep and echoey all the time. It's ominous, and I very much enjoy it. Side note, I'm watching three TV shows at once, like diligently taking notes mm. on three TV shows at Me once. Me too. Well, not taking and notes, a, but I'm watching three. Yeah, and a side note to that side note, this is complaining about mm. watching television, which is so stupid, and my life isn't very hard. And I shouldn't be complaining right. about this. And it's, and it's this. not like there's go anywhere back. to go. Right, but I'm going to go back to the, my original side note. Fuck, there are a lot of names in my brain to remember right now. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, am not Marcus cut is, out for is this. talking to Killua. And, and, and yeah, oh my God. <laughs> anyway, the point and the reason I'm saying this is because now that Marcus is high chieftain, emissary, king shit, he is getting preferential treatment from all the ones around him. Mm-hmm. And there's that lady, Cassia, who's trying to jump his bones for sure. And yeah, she gives him the eyes in this episode. She brings him extra rations. And she's yeah, like, am I going to get invited to the three-way? She doesn't. She does not. Sue does not like her at all. And we'll get to it in episode six. But the Mithria, Mithriac deal is going a bit better because I believe Marcus is a better leader, although he is one-track-minded trying to find his son, but the actual problem there is more internal between Marcus and Sue. The Mithraic thing kind of sews up with, um, so so Sue wants them, when they're alone, to call each other by their real names, which I was thinking, like, no, no, terrible idea. That's for sure how you're gonna get killed. Right. There's gonna be someone outside of the sheet that is your door. Just listening in. But, like, when they're finally safe now, and they've reached, they've reached like, some measure of, of, of sanity, uh, they have sex, and she's really into it, but Marcus is having, like, an insane waking nightmare of, like, 
her mortally wounded and and he's seeing himself as the rapist and the features of the roof are shifting and they're having like horrible nightmare blood sex to be fair the roof is a skull of a giant monster so they're boning inside of a pile of bones which must be mentioned and yeah he's having some hallucinatory effects and thinks he's hearing the voice of God. I think just get into it now. What is your theory for what the shit is happening to Marcus and his that, brain? Well, what I wrote down here is, do we think that soul is real in the canon of the show? Because this is not, this is not, I don't think, take place in our version of Earth, right? Because Mithraism was a real ancient religion. It was like the pre-Muslim religion of Persia. And, you know, a- after, after you know, Muhammad came through, uh, everyone hopped on the hot new religion and forgot about Mithraism and Mithra and soul. But apparently in this reality, that was like the religion that caught on in the Middle East instead of like whatever Abrahamic religions that we have in reality. Everyone's worshipping Mithra and soul. So this is a totally different reality than ours. Maybe, you know, soul is real and can talk to people the way we imagine God does. Contrary to popular belief, we mm-hmm. are a show that is educational, James. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? In mm-hmm. in the show, at least. Because like <laughs> in, in, in Game of Thrones, I think the Lord of Light is pretty clear, like, not real. That, like, the people who think that they're, you know, channeling the Lord of Light are actually doing, like, dangerous blood magic. And it's not really related to contacting a higher entity or anything. Um, what do you think about really? soul in this show? Yeah. So, okay, I, I, to be fair, I thought the Lord of Light was real. I thought the the hound looking into the fire, seeing something, was was a, a slight piece of evidence for the Lord of Light. Do you think any of the gods in Game of Thrones are real? No. I think, do you think that... Game of, do you, I mean, do you think George R. R. Martin thinks they're real? That is. Do I think they're in canon real? No, I don't think so. And And, and the books are a little bit different from the show. Uh, uh, go ahead and skip the next 10 seconds if you don't want any of the books spoiled for you. But there's a perspective chapter in the books from, uh, from Melisandre's perspective where she more or less, like, admits to herself that she's a charlatan. Oh, that's fun. Well, that's news to me. I'm glad I know that now. (laughs) Spoiler. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, but I do like the idea of a fictional universe where the gods are real and they're pulling the strings and you can't just see it so is your point here that you just like i think uh soul might be a real guy and i just probably think he's probably talking to this dude that's that is not what i think i think that is a misdirection but it makes more sense uh if we talk about it in episode six so uh okay what's going on back at the colony is they're now chowing down on the monster from episode four. And uh, they're like, oh, it tastes like pork. And as soon as they said that, I was thinking like, oh, didn't I read somewhere that pork is the most like physically similar to human flesh? Are these monsters like humans that have transformed into monsters? Where did you read that? I think it was a Vice article, actually. Let me Google it real quick. Jesus Christ. Vice Where did I read that? I read that in my diary. Human flesh. Yeah, right. Do not Google that. You're on a list now. Pork. Okay. I, I perpetually have a VPN going. I'm always torrenting shit. Duh. Wow. Just like. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a Vice article. Uh, this guy served his friend's tacos made from his own amputated leg. That I mean, that could be worth a good Christ. reading series. <laughs> that's, that's nightmare fuel. Good stuff. As Ryan would say, any hoozles. Um, I do say any hoozles quite a bit. <laughs> almost too much. Campion is not down with eating meat at all. He's now gone vegan and he doesn't want to kill oh my God. animals or anything. Campion sucks. Campion <laughs> sucks. Let me go down this list of everyone who sucks because it's most people. Okay. Uh, let's see. I made a list. It's it's my uh, the characters who suck list. Okay, I found it. Uh... Okay, Holly is fine. Paul is okay. Tempest is okay at best. Hunter is a little piece of shit. Fuck that kid. Marcus is a bit of a dick to Sue. 
who sucks in her own right, but like, I don't know, kind of just like ease up, bro. Sue sucks. Mother sucks. And Campion is the new Carl from The Walking Dead. The child on a TV show that I hope is dead soon. I, but, but worse because he's a pretentious vegetarian prick boy who I hope his death is graphically bad. And I live and die with father. If father goes, so does this show from my future. So while everyone else wants to eat monster pork, Campion is like, oh, I found this gross mold that grows on the inside of the giant chasm. Isn't this better? You guys like this better, right? It just reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where, like, they're doing a parody of The Lord of the Flies and they're all trying to hunt and eat the pig. And Lisa's like, no, look. In this cave, there's a a green slime that we can lick. Come on, guys. Let's all lick the slime. (laughs) Uh, Simpsons did it. So, which is a tale as old as time. Meanwhile, Mother is, like, having a grand old time plugging herself back into the Matrix. She found, like, the Matrix hookup from the wreckage. And she's looking at her own memories now. Uh, she Well, she's led there by the ghost of Tally. And, and now she's, like, hooking herself up there. And she's seeing the memories that she had, which were previously deleted. I, I, I guess I should have figured out earlier, which is like, oh, yeah, if Mother was a Mithraic super weapon and the atheists were fielding child soldiers then for sure mother is like a child killer yeah she started as a child killer you have to if they're the people that are on the other side of the war but campion sturgis zapped her with a lightning gun so we know it's possible to take them out for sure you know if you have a lightning gun and then ex machina her it's just the movie ex machina by the way and and so he yeah he's trying to turn her from a killbot into a mombot, and there's a scene in HBO. I don't know about you, they got me so good <laughs> in this scene where he he hands her a baby. Oh, and, I and did not. I thought it was a real baby. Yeah, I did. And when and then she snaps the baby's neck when he says that the baby is a an atheist. atheist. Yeah. And I did. I thought the baby was dead. And I was like, I jumped. I was like, oh, oh, my God. Good job, Campion Sturgis. She, she kills the baby. And then for half a second, you think, and then the baby's eyes turn red. But for that half a second, mm. I was like, HBO, you're on such a baby killer kick. Seriously. That's not even a spoiler. The first five minutes of Paramason has a dead ass baby. But, uh, yeah, she's falling in love with her creator campion sturgis and also by the way he coughs once and i was like oh he's dead you cough on screen in a in a tv show you're about to be murdered or just dead you're about to die of some sort of but we walk in there and it was like yeah the air is bad don't 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 keep trying to take that air into your stupid body campion you're gonna be dead and then he coughs once and you're like oh my god you're gonna be dead in moments and we basically see the whole process of him programming her to now do this like you know insane experiment of his where you and father are going to fly out and raise kids on this hospital planet i found and and he doesn't want her to be so heartbroken that they're going to be separated so he erases her memories but then she asked him not to so he's like okay well i'll archive it so that you know one day years later you can recover these memories and feel bad about it then yeah well you can get addicted to a pod and leave your core functioning behind of taking care of your children, which I'm sure won't be negative to their livelihoods or if you die or a father die or if they die, it'll be good. You you can get a weirdly addicted to the plot of ex machina within that pod. But did you say hospital planet or hospitable planet? Hospitable. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to run that tape back. Everybody won the tape back in a minute. I'll do it right now. See if James is wrong. I'm Ryan, and I'm a jerk. Wow, I can't believe you said that on tape. No, that does sound like me. It's very on brand. Back at the colony, Tempest, I I don't know, she takes a bunch of, like, poisoned uh, uh, roots or something? She tries to off herself. Um, and, And to be honest, I don't fucking blame her man this situation seems really hopeless and kind of like a pointless existence it's like okay so i'll live through this harsh 
nightmare reality so that possibly one day there'll be a successful human colony on this planet. No thanks. You guys go ahead and struggle. I'm checking out. <laughs> like if this is me. Right. I can't remember what story this was, but it was a ship that was doing something that similar to the Ark, but there was no sleeping. So there were there was a group of people who were leaving Earth as the Earth was dying, and it was going to a new place. But to go to that place is going to take a very long time. So the second generation and Maybe I just made this story up in my head. No, no, I, I believe made, I believe you I believe you're referring to the 2016 film Passengers with uh, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence no, no, and Chris no. Pratt. No, 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 I'm not because in okay. that movie they do what's the fucking word I'm looking for? Um like hibernation. Hibernation. Yeah, they do hibernate in that movie. Christopher Pratt is a, a terrible person and wakes up Jennifer right. Lawrence. Dooms Jennifer Lawrence. Murders her, ostensibly. Uh, And no, but there's this other story where they don't hibernate at all. So the second generation between the first generation who gets on the ship and lived on Earth to begin with, and then the third generation who eventually goes to a new planet. Is that that already a movie? I honestly don't know. I just like because I either I, something. I began writing a short story with that same plot, and now I'm a little upset that it's already been written. <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, I don't think this is a movie. I just think this is every like 30 year old has written this movie because okay. I think I might have too. So like, yeah, the second generation has to sign up for not being on Earth ever and never getting to the planet, and then I assume you know there's hell to pay. <laughs> they don't just take it well anyway. This is Ryan and James's fictional fictional corner. Do you remember what you called your short story? No, I don't. I, I mean, I only be, I wrote like the first paragraph or something. But. <laughs> that counts. That counts as a whole story. In episode six, uh, a lot of crazy shit goes down. So Vita is straight up talking to Tally now, um, and like playing with her as if she's there. This happens while they're all gathering sticks. Also, Hunter. Is like, hey, why don't you let me uh, give you a little tune-up, father? So he's absolutely trying to sabotage him. Hunter is dangerous. He's probably the smartest of the kids. Maybe the smartest human left in the world. So he's like the only real threat within the colony to mother and father. Right. He must be eradicated. Also, it's tough to remember Hunter's perspective, right? He has been kidnapped. Right. He has been stolen. He's, he's, you know, what, what, like 16, 17, 18 uh practically almost an adult still a teenager but more mature than the other kids and very smart and he he's not going to turn allegiance over to mother and father he's absolutely already been indoctrinated into the faith um and and so he is not working in tandem with the mithraic survivors but looking for any opportunity to ditch and go be with them right which like narratively makes sense he is fighting back against his captors i mean he's macaulay culkin in home alone the problem is that in home alone you like macaulay culkin more than the captors so every time the captors get murdered or or every time the captors get hit by a paint can you're like that's hilarious but in this show you like the captors way more than the hostages so every time the hostage tries to get away you're just like come on just chill well that i mean that's one of the reasons i can't really bring myself to hate hunter because i think he's acting in a realistic way in a way that like oh yeah that maybe if i had been 17 year old and 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 kidnapped by robots i might be doing the same thing oh no for sure that's exactly what i would assume anyone would do in his situation i still think he's annoying and i hate him there is a ridiculous sequence with the Mithraics where, like, uh, Marcus's, like, toady fanboy, what's his name? Lucius. Lucius is like, thank you so much for forgiving my father for that awful thing that he did to you. Uh-huh, what was that thing again? Oh, yeah, he uh, didn't want to execute this child soldier, and then it turned out the child soldier was a suicide bomber, and he killed a lot of your men, and so you shot him in the face. I'm so sorry that you had to do that. Uh, it was all my dad's fault. But thank you so much for shooting him. And Marcus is like... Yeah, I really appreciate it. Don't worry about it, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) 
It reminds me, we made a video in high school where you lean into one of our friends, Brian, and say, I'm going to drop this brick on your hand. And then you lean in and say, and by the way, all right, Brian leans in and says, by the way, I really appreciate this. But you do get to see more of Marcus, like the fact that in this war, the Mithraic won, but the atheists, although they're doing fucking horrible shit, like fielding child soldiers in battlefields, uh, were the normal people. Because Marcus hears this they were story, the scrappy ones, and is it is rightly terrified by by the implications, and he's like, he's like, thank you for you know killing my father for his weakness, and he's like, no, your dad wasn't weak; he was kind and did the right thing in that situation. He did the human thing to do. Just turns out, kids are also bombs. It's a weird world. Marcus comes up with a pretty brilliant plan to kill Mother. Too brilliant to possibly work on HBO. Stated plans uh, never work. Basically, they're going to wait for Mother to hook up into the Matrix. She, maybe she's going to take her time there. They're going to... They they brought this, like, uh, energy-absorbing shield panel from the ship. And so they're going to use it to, like, drain her battery so she can't transform. And they're going to give it to the rapist dude because he's, like... You know, Marcus even calls him cannon fodder earlier in that episode. And then when he's got the battery on her, uh, when he's got the thing draining her battery, they're going to try to blow up a bomb next to her and riddle her with bullets, and that should bring her down. A, a very good plan, actually. Very good plan. Obviously couldn't work. I didn't like the <laughs> shield thing. Sounded very convenient. As the rapist gets closer and closer to Tempest, I know they're like not next to each other yet, but as they do get closer, I get more and more anxious. And uh, But before any of that occurs... Well, I just want to the, say there's, a, there's an, a, a fantastic line where the rapist prisoner is like, so if I succeed, I will be forgiven. And Marcus is like, oh, yes. <laughs> don't, Absolutely. Don't worry about that. Now go stand by that murder robot. Meanwhile, back at the colony, Campion is being like a little dick. Um, uh, Paul comes up with this very nice, like, tiger trap to catch the monsters with, and... Campion loses his shit and and punches him several times, and Campion is just totally like, he was having a nice blossoming friendship with Paul, and that's ruined, and now he's also like, uh, ruining his relationship with the other Mithraic kids, uh, Campion just cannot chill. No, he is a soy boy piece of shit! Mother and father get into a fight because there's like a drawing of mother's in the Matrix memories on the wall. And she's like, who could possibly have done this? It must have been you, father. No one else can log into the Matrix and see what I saw. You're doing this to undermine me or something. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. And I was thinking like, if you're building a service robot. Why would you give them the capability to lie in the first place? You think you would just take that out? Right. And I think mother also deep within her programming also understands that but she is going through something right now that she just wasn't prepared for which is that she is completely addicted to the matrix she cannot explain the drawings on the wall and by the way i don't think the audience can at this point either and then she's just like this is bad you're stupid i'm going back to where i'm happy man yeah so she goes back into the matrix where she meets og campion her creator and uh, I got to say, the whole, in, and, and more so in episode five than in episode six, but the Campion and Mother thing is very sad. Um, and, and, and the theme that I think they're going for here is quite universal. Um, basically, you know, your parents try to do the best for you, but invariably they fail you in some way, right? And then in turn, you try to do the best for your own kids, but, you know, it nobody is perfect and in some way you will fail them a little bit too right and it's it's a never-ending cycle um and and it, we see that with campion and mother and then mother and, and new campion right and it reminds me of my one of my favorite poems this be the verse by philip larkin uh, i'm not going to read it on air or anything but check it out um read it on air no but i like i like okay. that <laughs> i like that um that motif and so she sees Campion again in the Matrix, and she thinks, she hypothesizes that she's, like, malfunctioning, and, and seeing these memories is, like, maybe awakened uh, a, a damaged part of her brain, and or he's, like, a virus inside of her or something. 
And uh, he also reveals that he's the one that's been showing her and father visions of Tally trying to lure them here to the Matrix. And so this is my theory. Um, Campion's like an expert hacker, right? And he was working against the Mithraics, right? Sure. So I think he did the Black Mirror digital brain copy thing. And he's not only inside Mother completely in her brain somewhere. He was also like in the Matrix. And so he fucked with the brains of all the Mithraics on the Ark, including the rapist guy. He wanted to remove the rapist guy from power some way, so he made him a rapist. And then he also uh, is now, like, in Marcus's head, getting him to do things. Mm. I do like that. I do like because the rapist was like, yeah, he was talking to me, and then I did all the things, and now he doesn't talk to me anymore, so... And it wouldn't make sense for him to be like, no, 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 yeah, I'm done with you. You've done all that I've needed you to do. Right, and Marcus, and now Marcus is like, is so, so, you, what, so you never raped anyone before this? And he's like, no, I had. Maybe that's why uh, Soul chose me to do it again. And I was thinking like, okay, so if for some reason Virtual Campion wanted to remove this character from power, he would feed into the dude's already existing evil predilections in order to get him to do something criminal and and, and, and be fucked up. And and now he's kind of doing it to Marcus, too. He's, like, feeding into Marcus's empathy and sense of mercy to control him as well. It's very Blood Raven from Game of Thrones. We'll never stop talking about Game of Thrones, guys. We never will. We never will. But I, was, I like that theory a lot. I hope that comes true, and I hope that's what's actually happening. I also like the theory of... The quote-unquote aliens on Kepler-22b being long-ago human beings who have evolved, devolved. I hope that comes to light before the end of Season 1-2, but who knows, because they just got a second season. Oh, and interesting. Some... So we've got, like, an Eloy and, and, and Morlock situation, a race of, like, horrible underground monster people, and then maybe a race of, like, above-ground psychic people, something. Who knows? They're the mole people that John Quincy Adams was looking for way back in the day. And when they he found them, they were just like, yeah, we're out of here. Kepler-22b it is. This is just one history lesson after another. I know. we. This and, is and poetry welcome. recommendations. This is our most cultured episode. Welcome to the HBO Boys classroom. Take a seat. Don't sit in the back, okay? You're not cool if you sit in the back. You just learn less. So Virtual Campion is, like cares deeply for Mother and and wants her to, you know, to be true to herself and not just be obsessed with the mission and wants her to tell him what it is she really desires. And again, I don't know why if you were programming a murder bot, you would program it to be horny, but she wants to fuck Virtual Campion. I thought she was kind of like a Barbie doll and would be totally smooth down there, but hey, maybe anything's possible in the Matrix and they start banging. But then while they're banging, it's raining white, and white is the color of android blood. So this is extremely similar to the nightmare sex dream that Marcus had in the last episode. And while all of this is happening, the Mithraic are surrounding her, putting a bomb on the little fun matrix bed that she's laying in, putting the rapist next to her with the convenient narrative shield, and... She starts getting drained, starts to wake up and not feel that great because she's being murdered. And it goes pretty well. The the As we said, it's a good plan. The plan yeah. was going well for a long time, you know, until it wasn't. Right. It, and it's such a smart and such a tidy plan that I wanted it to succeed, although knowing it wouldn't. And again... Mother is just fucking got every superpower in the world and she pulls out a new one to get out of this one. Now she has TK and she's able to like raise the earth beneath the Mithraics, which gets the the, the the energy draining panel off of her. And she's got boulders in the air, which she then screams at to turn into shrapnel grenades. And is it takes out a lot of the Mithraic. Although I, I, I'm not sure who did and did not survive from Marcus's party. It's not at all clear. For the uninitiated, TK means telekinesis. And I, a thing that I do find annoying of this show is the 
power of any scream that occurs is just the power that it needs to be to not kill Marcus, right? Like if the screams are sometimes aimed at people, they make them explode or their faces melt. But anytime Marcus is like five feet away from her and she screams, oh no, it's not that, it's not the loudest it can be. He's fine. You can't kill off a main character. Right. So when you don't have very clearly defined rules, it gives the writer more leeway to play with the characters' fates and stuff. But it also kind of leaves the audience wondering, like, I mean, is that how that works? Would you have been able to escape that situation? I guess I don't know. We never wrote down the rules, so. There are no rules on Kepler 22B. That's why we came here to create a new society full of only our rules. Where the screaming doesn't hurt us as long as we really don't want it to. Back at the colony, uh, the Mithraic have split into two. And Sue has their her own party, which she's going to try to rescue the children with. But not really rescue the children. Just rescue Paul. It's <laughs> really the only priority here. And so they they open fire on Father, which was traumatic for me. I was like, no, Father abuse. Don't, don't shoot him. <laughs> and he's telling the kids to run and go hide in the lander. Because I guess maybe it's bulletproof. Um, before he can find Paul, Sue catches up with him and gets him out of there running, or sorry, Vita was already running around looking for Tally. Um, and she ends up like in the orange dome room. And when she's hiding in the orange dome room, uh, from the bullets, she sees a ghost or something change one of the drawings on the wall. So now we have pretty physical confirmation of some spiritual nat- spiritual entity affecting the physical world in front of one of the characters. And during all this, Father is 1v8 or something to the out effect. Uh, the Sue party, who was not supposed to be doing this in the first place, she went against Marcus's direct orders to wait for him. And and this hurt me too, because now Father's a killer, and he kills several of the Mithraic guys. Um, yeah, and he doesn't want to, but he's you know he's defending his kin. And this scene did make me realize, because at this point I had been naysay for an hour and a half watching these two episodes, just thinking, God, this is slow. Oh my God, go faster. That's a stupid line. That line's okay. That part's fine. But God, this really needs to get on going. And then this scene happened, and I was like, oh my god, do I love Father more than I thought I did? This show is like Lovecraft in that it is inconsistent, but has moments of brilliance that shine through every now and again. And that was one of them, where out of nowhere I was like, oh, if Father dies, I'm fucking done. He he puts the tiger trap on the blonde girl's head. She's gone. Um, he domes another dude with his rock sling, and now he has a gun. Because he's super agile and, and super strong, he, like, jumps to the very top of the silo where he can just kind of, like, lean a tiny bit to open fire on, like, the last two guys. It, it, it seems like his plan is gonna work, except the uh, the ship has, like, sonar or something and can show everyone's position, and Hunter seizes the opportunity and gets on the on on the megaphone or whatever and he's like yeah he's hiding on the silo aim for the silo and it works and they fucking fill father with holes and he drops to the ground and and it's so oh. sad. camp campion wants to run to him and the other kids hold him back they're like no it's too dangerous very sad i wish campion ran and also got riddled with bullets also father i hope he's not actually dead i need him in my life well, so they, they fill him up with bullets, but they, his head is intact. And if we're following Ridley Scott rules, both Ash from Alien, I called him Bishop uh, accidentally at the beginning of these recaps. Bishop is the Idiot. robot from Aliens. Sorry, everyone. Um, okay. Ash from Alien and uh, David from Prometheus both survived just as heads, right? So there's a little bit of hope here. I don't know. Raised by Wolves, it feels like they're setting up that they have like either artificial or actual hearts in their chests. So it might be a chest-based living scenario. Either way, there are some dudes on the ground who are dead, and they have some hearts that can maybe work. But I I just hope Father is okay. I mean, there's also the jail robot who they could totally cannibalize for parts. That is also true. And then, you know, Hunter did this thing 
where he got father maybe murdered. And right. again, I had the same thought of like, or this is a hostage giving up his captors and I shouldn't be mad at him. But fuck this kid. Yeah, I wonder now if Hunter's going to get the same kind of fan hatred as uh, the little boy in the Night's Watch who who turned in John. To the Ollie. Other yeah, Ollie. Hashtag fuck Ollie. Kid sucks. Glad he... I liked what his face, when his face was purple and he was dead. Good. Fuck I have di- I have different feelings about that, but... Um, okay. I mean, do we want to get into it? Uh, no. On our Race <laughs> by Wolves podcast? <laughs> no, we do not. Uh, mother arrives, but too late, because father is already down, and he apologizes to her. He's like, sorry, uh, I, I, I couldn't protect all the kids. And mother is is thinking, like, oh, shit, no, this is all my fault, actually. Now Entirely you're the is. reliable one, and I'm the fuck up. Yeah. During all this, by the way, Sue actually got Paul and brought Paul back. But and, well, and well, Paul, Paul, and Marcus, and 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 Sue have a very nice little reunion, and and it's a very cheesy and cliched thing to say, but everyone says that eventually, I guess that once you have kids, these kind of emotional scenes involving parents and kids in fiction do hit you a little harder, and and despite myself, I couldn't help but be emotionally affected by this. Um, Ugh, gross. <laughs> And it was a nice scene, but yeah, Marcus is like, it will never be free as long as she's out there. Um, and so they hatch another plan, another really great plan. He's angry at Sue. That's what I took away from that scene. Like his palpable anger at Sue for not doing what he said. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you said another very good plan. He sends Paul back in with a knife because they have a conversation like, Hey, her eyes are in that little nutsack around her neck, right? Great. Go take this knife, cut them off, run back to me, and then when she's running past me in the rock, I'm going to take an axe like I'm perhaps the Star of Vikings and chop her in half. <laughs> and, and well, it just goes to show, the reason Marcus is a good leader is because it shows you how limited the Mithraics are by their dogma. Right, that they're too concerned thinking like, oh, if I'm just good enough or if I'm faithful enough, everything will just work out because that's what soul wants for me, right? Which is maybe a very hopeful position, but also like extremely defeatist, right? Oh, it doesn't matter what I do. Whatever whatever shakes out is how God wanted it, right? So I'll just lay back and be really passive about it where you know because he's not tied down by that marcus is like a man of action and he can kind of think for himself and and have a little bit of ingenuity here um and and yeah a a second plan another really good plan and this time it works but he doesn't coup de gras mother because he hears the voice of scare quotes god telling him to spare him which is what like you know the the three-eyed campion would want in that moment yeah to save his own creation so i like that theory even more that's a good point and that is where we go out on on episode six which is good because that was an actual good ending to an episode yes and the ending of of episode five was so lackluster and so terrible but i I really love the, the mother backstory stuff in episode five i think worked really well so yeah it's back it's up on the it's on the upswing, right? The end, the the, As, the the third act of episode six and mother's backstory from episode five, really good. Uh, more invested back into the show, which is nice because the most recent episode of Lovecraft Country was also really good. So it's like now we're on a high. Yeah, let's see how next to be week's fair, gonna let us down. <laughs> yeah, if if we're following the pattern, then yeah, the episode that aired tonight for Lovecraft Country and episode seven and eight of Raised by Wolves are going to be straight shit so no we'll the Lovecraft country episode looks good or at least the preview did <laughs> I, hope. I know i think i think it's gonna be good too but listen i i, I what, what can you do james okay you can't you can't yell in the face of patterns all right guys well thank you so much for listening it means a lot if you are listening if you uh would like to 
support the show, you could follow us on social media. On Twitter, he's at Westworld Ryan. I'm at James Watches Men. You can also leave us positive reviews on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. And if you would like to financially support the show, you can hit us up on patreon.com slash HBO Boys, where you will get bonus content that we have quite a bit of going now. We'll have more coming soon. And uh, check us out, guys, on our uh, on our podcast feeds or on SoundCloud. We have a very big list of back content, which is hosted online thanks to uh, the donations from our patreons and now ryan is locked into recapping each episode of the anime hunter hunter because of the specific wishes of one patron who i am so grateful to yeah and you're about to make a really dope joke about anyway the list of patrons as i am the consummate rap god will rattle off right now are hardboiled greg nicole's a11 podcast james watch my dong i'm not just watching it i'm taking a picture I did not know where you were going with that. The taking from It'll the last from taking, longer, which okay. is what she said. <laughs> okay, good. You're done. Okay. Usually, I want the joke. I'm done. I'm good with the joke this time. Cliff Wilding, hello underscore yo atheist and unstoppable. Chris Wood, Brent Gandale, Evan Westworld, Craig Bachman, John Jers, and Major Woody plus Carol Andreas. Can't forget her. Thank you all for the money. Side note: James, take out that part. In the middle where I messed up the names, I can't have that. Le- I can't have that public. That can't. They can't know. And then join us here next week, guys. Uh, or no, not next week. Later this week. Uh, and then join us here later this week for the next episode of Lovecraft Country. Next week for uh, the next two episodes of Raised by Wolves. And then at some point within that two week span, we will have our uh, completely brand new and experimental thing we're going to do on the show is a tabletop RPG. Uh, game of Call of Cthulhu in honor of Lovecraft Country. Coming soon. Coming soon to a TV near you. Also, Sunday mornings is when the new Hunter Hunter comes out on the main feed. Go check that out. Hey, James, I Mm -hmm. I found my favorite poem. Can I read it to you? Yes. Okay, here, here it is. Wet. 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 Wet, 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 wet. Ha 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 ha! Oh my god, was that a good poem? Did you like it? I I I I haven't heard the lyrics to "Wet Ass Pussy," and I thought that's where this was going. <laughs> it wasn't honestly. I found uh, I, I there's another song with the word "wet" said too many times, and and so I just I decided to take uh, one step forward. One step to the left. It's no, it's stupid by Ash Nico, but it's pretty close. It's almost the exact same thing. I mean, as I said, this is the high culture episode of the HBO Boys. Yeah, I wish you would have read your poem, dude. Right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll close out the episode with some Mozart. Oh, Christ. Thank God. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.